Today on Season 2, Episode 61 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, it's Victory Monday on a Wednesday. Jared Masuga, a.k.a. Titletown Rain, joins us to talk Vikings-Packers postgame. Game balls and good times, this is one you won't want to miss. And now it's time for postgame 2, Vikings on Tap. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Go Pack! Go! Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. This is Green Bay, Green Bay, Green Bay. And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast where we have a menage a trois in the house where I'm co-hosting with Jared and Nebels. How are you all doing today? Good, Bryce. Doing, How are you? Hey, no I'm complaints. Gra- <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> I'm great. It's been a while, so I'm happy to be back on the podcast tonight. I'm trying to think, Jared. Was the last one uh, Islands on Tap? I believe so. It's been... Probably over a month now before I moved uh, back down to school. So, yeah, it's been a while. Well, we're looking forward uh, to getting, like I said, the three-way going with pregame two, the Vikings 1.0. Packers hold off and win 21-16. Yeah, buddy. A lot of dramatic, a lot of dramatic flair uh, towards the end of the game. But as we, as we dissect the first half of uh, pregame two, the Vikings 1.0, I shouldn't say dissect as we go through. Let, let's touch base on the first quarter of this episode with pregame feels. As I was going in, my biggest concern was if we can contain Dalvin Cook, I think we'll be in good shape. Well, we didn't necessarily contain him, and we got a gift from Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins where they decided not to run the ball as they were driving. Interception by Kevin King to quote-unquote ice the game it just prolonged the game if you will Vikings got another opportunity and the Packers prevailed but I felt like once they controlled Dalvin Cook or if they could the Packers are in good shape however they did not and uh, my pregame feel going in was would we see an improved offense I felt good Packers coming off a win against the Bears 1-0 and Going in, I felt like at home, they were really trying to get the crowd going. And so I felt like Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, and this defense were going to pull out a big victory at Lambeau Field and go 2-0, which they did. But uh, tell me your guys' vibes going into the game before the Packers ended up winning 21-16. My thoughts going in were basically the same as yours. I thought if we could contain the run and make Kirk Cousins throw, I thought we had a very good chance of winning just for the simple fact that we saw that Kirk Cousins isn't very good still yesterday. He made some really bad throws. And just from going back to week one, he only threw the ball 10 times. And Dalvin Cook was a monster in that game as well. So I really felt that if we could contain the run, which as you said, we didn't do a great job of, but if we could do that, we could win the game. And as it came down to the end, it really was our secondary that did step up. And basically, you know, I think was the deciding factor. Obviously, Jair played like an absolute animal. His man coverage has gotten so much better over the course of the last year, and he has all the potential makings of a lockdown cornerback, a top five cornerback in this league. 
And then Kevin King just being healthy and showing what he can do when he's on the field, he's a complete difference maker. So um, I was really confident going into the game. I, you know, I had my roommates asking me if I'm nervous and whatnot. And I, I was not nervous at all until I sat down. And then that's when the nerves really start hitting. But yeah, I was confident that we could get the win. I was happy with how the offense did look in that first quarter, something to build on there. But yeah, I, all around, I was happy with the performance and uh, glad we came out 2-0. Yeah, it's interesting. I I wasn't nervous as well. I, I was more amped. And again, maybe it's the whole new coaching staff. Maybe it's because we haven't seen this this team really show its true identity, obviously, two weeks in. And we're still trying to figure out who the Packers are. 2-0, and so you can't complain there. But I just... I went in with an open mind, so I think that's that's helped me maintain those nerves. How were you, Nebels, going into the game? Uh, you know what? I wasn't really all that nervous. I was pretty excited about the game. You know, anytime you have a division division matchup such as the Vikings, you know, coming off that big win in Chicago, I wanted to see, like uh, like Jared said, I wanted to see how they were going to build off the performance of last week. Uh, was their defensive performance just a fluke, just a, a factor of playing an anemic Bears offense, the real deal? How was Rodgers and company going to fare against another great defense in the Vikings? It was it was just really exciting for me. I, I could not wait for the game to start. And as we talked about in our pregame to the Vikings on tap episode with myself and Nebels, we talked about in the Bears game where we essentially, Trubisky had to beat us. And we, we talked about it in, in our episode where Cousins, essentially, we had to put the ball in his hands and he had to beat us. And you had mentioned that he had torched us last year in week two. And going into this game, I felt good if we were able to contain Cook, which all in all, outside of that 70-yard touchdown run, granted, he was churning yards left and right. But I think I think the biggest takeaway for me was the fact that I felt like Coach Zimmer got cute in a way where he felt like, all right, the Packers are predicting a run, so I, I, I'm going to do something and surprise them. And to be quite honest, that throw, if Cousins is a little bit quicker with that decision, Diggs, Diggs is open. And so Cousins, being Cousins and us wanting the ball in, in his hands to see if he could actually beat the Packers in this new transformed defense, it allowed Kevin King to get in position to haul what was an incredible interception. And it shows the potential and uh, the difference that that he that he shows when he can be on the field. Going into the second quarter of our post-game two Vikings 1.0, give me your take on the overall game. In the second half, we'll talk about game balls, concerns, and and we'll wrap up with our post-game presser. But Nebels, tell me your overall vibe. Packers are 2-0. Take me through it. You got to feel good about this win uh, this week. Again, it was a stiff competition in the Vikings. It's kind of crazy how the whole thing started. I mean, it was like, who is this team? Who, who are the Packers right now? First three drives resulting in in scores, defense stopping everybody. I mean, I thought it was going to be just an absolute blowout. I mean, am, am I right? Am I right? Yeah. I'll be I'll be honest. When they jumped up twenty one nothing, maybe maybe it's because uh, I'm still accustomed to McCarthy's ways. But I I just felt like we were going to let the foot off the gas pedal a little bit. And Coach Lafleur alluded to the the fact that he he didn't keep up with the tempo, and that's something that he's going to learn. And so. I felt like the Vikings were going to make make it interesting, but when Delvin Cook blew up that seventy five yard touchdown, I thought, okay, what, what who is this defense, and are they able to to lock down and 
And it, it would have been interesting for me if Zimmer would have just kept on giving, giving Cook the rock sure. and seeing if the Packers could stop him. So that's that's one thing that I'm going to put in the back of my head. And as we move through the year and when we face the Vikings again, does Zimmer learn from that? And can we stop Cook? Or is that going to be an Achilles heel? But g- give me, give me again, outside of uh, you thought it was going to be a blowout, but once it wasn't going to be a blowout, tell me your thoughts. Well, I I was able to witness in person last year's game when the Packers went ahead and it ended up being a tie, as we talked about in the pregame. So I had those thoughts, of course, running through my head. What's going on? Why are we slowing down? Why can't we put, put keep our foot on the gas? And like you mentioned, it was kind of shades of, of McCarthy that when they got that lead, they just couldn't step on the opponent's throat and just finish them off. As far as play calling was concerned, I have a little bit more to to talk about this later, but uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but on their first drives, the first three drives they had, all three touchdown drives, that was the equivalent of 20 plays. Now, as we had talked before, LeFleur has his script, which he has said before, is 20 plays long. Now, do you guys think that they had just exhausted that script and really didn't know what to do after that point, which kind of caused them to slow down? Or... Was that enough time for Zimmer and company to make necessary adjustments and just basically figure out the Packers' offense? I think it's a combination of both, and I think Lafleur mentioned that in his presser where he didn't expect them to go through all those plays quite a bit. And now, when he talks about the get-back-on-track menu, are those those 20 plays that he's referring to? No, I think a big part of the West Coast offense is the coaches will have 20 scripted plays that they're going to start the game out with and they're just going to you know go go with it. So I think the back on track menu is kind of like a subset of those that depending on the scenario, all right, well, these didn't go as planned. We're down, blah, blah, blah. That's when they they pull out the the back on track menu. So it's similar in practice, just you know, completely different situationally. I see. And then so when LaFleur was talking about the get back on track and how he needs to improve, that probably is the reason why the tempo then deflated and Zimmer was able to make the adjustments and Lafleur wasn't. Right, right. I see. Jared, give me your take then going through the overall game, like matching it up with your pregame vibes, your pregame feels. Uh, did, it, did it match? I know you were freaking out in the group text when we jumped up 21 nothing. So give me your take. Yeah, so as I said, I wasn't super worried coming into the game. And, you know, when I sat down, I was, after that first drive, I was like, wow, that's, that was, that was nice. So I was like super energized going up seven, nothing by the time we were up 21, nothing. I'm like, wow, we might end up blowing this team out. And then, you know, like Nebel said, after the, after the 20 plays ran out, it kind of just turned into more of like, like you said, like a combination of Zimmer made the adjustments and we kind of just going off that script and having to improvise in ways to adjust to what they were doing on defense, kind of just hand into what we saw for the rest of the game where it was kind of stagnant offense. But seeing those first couple of drives did give me a lot of hope going forward that the offense is going to be really good just because we manhandled that defense for those first that first quarter and a few minutes into the second. I think, you know, we can be a great offensive team once everybody gets on the same page. And I know we've been saying it for weeks now. By week five or six, we really expect the team to be clicking. So yeah, that that made me um, pretty happy. The rest of the game was a little frustrating, a little uh, nerve-wracking once they started making a little bit of a comeback. But 
overall, the game, I think the defense did play well. You're, it's not really going to show up in the box score a ton because we gave up over 400 yards. But with the offense, how it did go stagnant, like we saw, we had to have the defense out on the field a lot more than we would have liked to. And that they were gassed. So, you know, Delvin Cook did his thing. You know, he had that 150 yards. But the the biggest takeaway that I had from the game really was the play of Jair Alexander and Kevin King and even Darnell Savage. He played an incredible game as well. They shut down essentially the the top wide receiver duo in the NFL, in my opinion. I mean, you you're going to have a hard time finding a, a duo better than Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. And I, I think I saw a stat today. Compared to last year, they would have to have 31 receptions for, I believe, 337 yards in the next game that we play them at the end of the year to even match the total that we had uh, or that they had against us last year. Wow. Um, so if that doesn't show the improvement on the defense in the secondary and even with the pass rush that we've made in the offseason, I really don't know what would. I was just insanely impressed, even with the two drop picks that Jair had. The way he played, the man coverage was incredible. Kevin King came up big in a big spot. And Darnell Savage had a couple pass breakups, obviously the one that led to the Preston Smith interception. So I think all in all, it feels really good to be 2-0. and It feels really good to be 2-0 and in the division, especially going 1-5 and last year in the division. So yeah, I mean, I was happy with the performance. I think we're only going to build on it. We're going to get better. Uh, Denver coming in next week gives us a little bit of a lesser opponent. I don't want to, you know take it lightly because they do still have a good defense, but it's not to the caliber I don't think that we've seen in the last two weeks with the Bears and the Vikings. So I think that, that's really going to be a really good opportunity to get us on track to where we need to be going in against the Eagles and the Cowboys because those are going to be a couple really big games. The two things that stuck out to me, one, definitely your biggest takeaway with Jair Alexander and Kevin King, Darnell Savage, Amos evenly, even as well. Uh, just completely locking down in that secondary, containing arguably the best duo in the NFL when it comes to wide receiver. Uh, the other takeaway for me, too, and you mentioned it, was how gassed the defense was. And that's the thing that keeps playing on in my head. And I, A win's a win, and I love winning. But the thing that keeps playing in my head was sitting on the edge of my couch, seeing the Vikings drive and seeing how gassed this defense was. And I'm glad that you mentioned that the offense becoming stagnant definitely resulted or definitely have it, have, had the defense on the field more. But that's the thing that I can't shake is I'm just thankful that they have Mike Zimmer and that they have Kirk Cousins because any other coach I feel like would have seen that blood in the water and kept on attacking. I listened to uh, the morning show on my drive to work this morning, and they had Leroy Butler, hopefully Hall of Fame Leroy Butler, inventor of the Lambeau Leap, number 36, Super Bowl champion Leroy Butler. And he was on the morning show with Chuck and Winkler, which is a 105.7 FM, the fan radio. I've been on there a couple times doing uh, some draft talk. But what I really liked from Leroy Butler that he mentioned was the takeaway for him, from him with Mike Zimmer as well as Matt LaFleur is that you had one first half of Matt LaFleur dominating, and then his words was, can I be the smartest coach on the field right now? Can I get cute? Can I can I play a little bit? And so I'm not sure if it was the fact that they went through all of those 20 scripted plays, and then he had to get creative, he had to get cute. And then the other side of the coin was Zimmer in the second half, where he had 
that the Packers defense on its heels and he decided to get cute and think, oh, the defense isn't going to expect to throw, even though our secondary had been locked down outside of that Diggs touchdown that was the only reception for him outside of that offensive pass interference touchdown that got nullified by him. But Jair Alexander played that pass beautifully, lost the ball in the sun is, is what he had mentioned, and Diggs scored a touchdown. But those are the takeaways for me is getting cute. I wonder if Lafleur gets gets humble a little bit more, and it seems that he's a very humble guy and just wants to get better. But it, it, I, I keep on going through back that scenario. I, I'm glad we're 2-0. But man, if, if Zimmer didn't get cute and the, and the Packers' defense was gassed, what would have happened with Delvin Cook driving that field? Yeah, it's, it's a really good good point you make there. It's It seems like Zimmer's dominated us for years, so it was good to finally get back at him. I mean, I think the stat was the Vikings were 5-1-1 one, one against us in the last seven meetings, so it's not like we've played them very well lately. And it's that's since Zimmer came to the Vikings, really. He's always had some kind of mental edge it seems like against Aaron Rodgers that just propels them to win every time we go up against them the defense just seems to find a way to win but it's just a culture change in Green Bay I mean the defense we have a defense as Rodgers said week one they're no joke this year and like I said the box score what you're gonna see with that 400 yards given up it, it doesn't tell the whole story I mean you look at what we did we had the two interceptions and two forced fumbles one that we recovered but mm-hmm. Jair had an opportunity to make an interception on the Diggs play right. that he unfortunately lost in the sun. He also dropped another interception and yep. Thielen dragged Darnell Savage down in the end zone, which would have been an interception for him too. So we realistically right. could have walked out of that game with five picks. That's that's scary to think about. We're definitely going to talk about in the second half of post-game two Vikings 1.0 to wrap up the first half of this episode. I do want to mention a quote by Jair Alexander. We're putting everybody on notice. Go Pack Go. We'll be right back. You are listening to the Unknown Packers podcast. If you like what you are hearing and would like to help us grow, take a minute to rate us on iTunes. The more ratings we get, the more visible we will be to Packer fans like you. Again, thank you so much for listening. This show wouldn't happen without your support. Now, let's get back to the second half. And we are back for the second half of post-game two Vikings 1.0 with myself, Jared, and Nebels. The three-way continues, and as the three-way continues, we're doing game balls. Nebels, start us off with your three game balls for the Green Bay Packers, Minnesota Vikings, 21-16 win. All right, you got it. I kind of have maybe two and a half game balls. One of them is kind of an oddball, if you will. My half a game ball is going to go to Lafleur and his 20-play script. Again, reason behind that is those 20 plays are all it took to get uh, 21 points up on the board. And that was key, obviously, to this this victory. Without that, you know, who knows what could have happened. As far as players are concerned, I like what, uh, what Devontae Adams did. He kind of broke that that Vikings curse, if you will. Last year when they played, I believe he had four catches for only 36 yards. He was, you know, he wasn't overly effective. Um, This year he ended up with, what, 107 107 yards on seven catches? 
So he he balled out this game. I mean, he was a big reason why you know, we had success and we won. You know, getting the first downs, you know, keeping those chains moving when the other receivers were pretty much invisible, if you will. And then lastly, my third or my game ball two and a half would go to Kenny Clark. Um, ah, he nice. has, yeah, he has become one of my, my favorites on, on the defense. One of those guys where he, he doesn't have the flashy stats, but it's, it's the intangibles. I believe he came out with what? Three tackles, seven, uh, pressures. He had the, uh, a forced fumble and he just, he was all over the place. He was disruptive. I, I love how he plays. I love his motor. Even when he was gassed, he still found ways to, to disrupt the play. And he was huge up the middle for us. So definitely he he gets my big game ball of the of the day. Nice sleeper. I, I was hoping and I, I to tell you the truth, all three that you mentioned are are ones that I considered. I was definitely considering Matt LaFleur, especially being the only coach outside of Lombardi, I believe, to start two and oh. Correct me if I'm wrong. You You're are right. correct, sir. And also on top of it is for the fans out there that were uh, complaining the fact that we brought in an offensive coordinator who ranked 27th and 25th in offense and in scoring, respectively. Yeah, 25th in total offense and 27th in scoring offense to see how electric the Packers can be. And uh, now as we're talking about it, I, I will admit I thought, oh, maybe the blueprint or our vision of the Packers' offensive identity or even the team identity, their ecosystem, if you will, will come to fruition week six, seven. So that thought definitely crept in my in my mind when the Packers jumped up 21 nothing. I thought, all right, maybe week two is when we actually get to see the full transformation. So I like that you you highlighted him because that's something that we've been waiting for. Can, can the Packers generate some offense? Can they be explosive? And uh, hopefully they can continue doing four quarters moving forward. Uh, Jared? Who are your game balls? We're putting you on the spot. You're only supposed to be part of the first half, but uh, you love us so much. We love you, and uh, we decided to to keep this three-way rocking. Yeah, well, I love you guys too, but um, so my game balls are going to go to first on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to give it to Aaron Jones. All week long, you saw fantasy football experts, analysts saying that, you know, he was, you know, take the under on him, don't start him. He's not going to rush for more than 40 yards, this, that, and the other thing. And he comes out with 21 carries for 116 yards and a touchdown. Uh, helped out in the passing game a little bit. He was an animal on the ground, and he showed that about five yards per carry again that he has averaged his entire career, being the highest in NFL history. So I think he was a huge part. We balanced the offense, I think, pretty close to 50-50, if not more running plays than passing plays. Um, and he kept the offense going you know, when we needed him to to keep it going, basically. He had that big touchdown, which did put us up 21 nothing. So he gets a game ball from me. Going to do a little split game ball uh, for Kevin King and Jair Alexander. Um, they're going to get each half of a game ball because it was a collective effort there. Biggest Rule play. breaker! <laughs> I got to do it because I got a big... <laughs> my my third game ball is uh, going to someone else that I've had in mind all day. <laughs> but the biggest play obviously came on the Kevin King interception in the end zone. Uh, what I saw today is that play was originally designed to go to Adam Thielen. Uh, had it gone to Adam Thielen, Jair would have had a 95-yard pick six. Uh, so he locked that, that uh, read down. And then Kevin King, just an incredible interception to s essentially seal the game a little bit. They did go three and out, but mm -hmm. that was a huge turnover that made all the difference in my eyes. And they just, you know, they clamped, like I said, they 
clamped those receivers all day long and just something we haven't seen in the past couple of years. Uh, and then the third game ball, my biggest game ball of the day, uh, is got to go to Darnell Savage. The rookie safety in his second game, he had the pass breakup that led to Preston Smith's interception, which I don't know where Kirk Cousins was throwing to in the first place because there was five Packers around him, but he did break that pass up. He would have had an interception in the end zone, as I touched on earlier, had it not been for Adam Thielen's pass interference call. Um, and he forced a fumble on Kirk Cousins on the uh, scramble that he had, although we didn't recover it. He was a difference maker all day. He is going to be a star in this league. We have a great young secondary with him, Jair, Kevin, and Adrian leading the charge back there. And it's uh, pretty awesome to see him making a difference already just in his second game. Sounds like his shin is going to be all good to go. Uh, looks like it was just precautionary. Right. So he gets my big game ball of the day. I'm glad you mentioned Savage. And uh, a guy, too, that got bit on that Delvin Cook touchdown, too. To, it's good to see him bounce back. Typically, you'll see rookies get in their head and beat themselves up a little bit. So I, I'm glad that he came back. And you're right. Just And also with Darnell Savage, is, I, I went back and... You know, watch watch a little bit of the uh, the condensed tape. So it was like 30 minutes on Game Pass, and just wanted to watch Darnell Savage. So it, it happens quickly. But the thing that I was really impressed with Darnell Savage is not only was he making plays, but he was just he was closing gaps, his finishing speed. So he was around the ball at all uh, at almost what seemed like every single play. And so it's those little things that I feel like that go unnoticed where that's going to continue to transform, that's going to evolve. And before you know it, offenses are going to have to scheme on. And the thing that really sticks out to me with Darnell Savage is that offenses will definitely have to keep him in mind moving forward as he, as he continues to transcend. But he definitely doesn't look like a rookie. Uh, I'm glad that you mentioned him. Aaron Jones, Kevin King, and Jair, even though you're breaking the rules, coming, <laughs> coming on the UPP and breaking rules. I, I, I dig it, though. I'm a rule breaker as well. Got to live on the edge. And uh, my my game balls, both of you have mentioned a couple of them, but the first game ball for me, and I think the MVP is Aaron Jones. And like you said, Jared, 23 carries, 116 yards, four receptions for 34 yards, a touchdown uh, rushing, five yards per carry. This is what we wanted last year with Aaron Jones. This is what we wanted last week with Aaron Jones. On top of uh, all the fantasy football pundits saying that he should be benched, which I followed and benched him, and uh, it might have cost me a victory. We will find out. I started it. Ain't him. over. Uh, you had to throw the little salt <laughs> on the wound. I I, I dig it. You're, you're continuing to break rules. I like it. And with with Aaron Jones, the thing that I it excites me a little bit is Matt Lafleur is going to focus on that run. Everything's going to stem from that run. And so as as we continue to see Aaron Jones. Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur click. I think we're just scratching the surface on this 116-yard touchdown performance and 34 yards catching as well. Uh, my second game ball is Jair Alexander. Ain't splitting it up. I'm giving him the whole ball. And with Jair Alexander, the thing that really sticks, to, sticks out to me is, pun intended, he's sticky. And every, every time a pass is thrown his way, even if the wide receiver is in position, Jair is all over. And so whether Jair maybe have his back turned and he gets there maybe a little bit too late, but his closing speed's right there, receivers have a tough time 
hauling in passes. And it was evident enough in the fact that even though Diggs scored that long touchdown where Jair Alexander lost it in the sun, Diggs was so furious and so upset that Jair Alexander had corralled him the whole game that he took off his helmet, got unsportsmanlike conduct, which pushed the extra point back, which allowed then Tony Brown to block that. So just another thing that you notice is that Jerry Alexander, even though he gave up that touchdown, it had ticked off Diggs so much, got a 15-yard penalty. So the thing that I like about Jerry Alexander, he's competitive, and I love this swagger and how he can get in other people's heads. We haven't had a player like that in a really, really long time. Mike Daniels could do that, but his play was spotty, at least with Jair. I mean, he's locked down, and, and LeFleur is already saying right now that they're going to put him on the best guy. They're going to move him all over the field. It's quite crazy to see a guy going in his second year. He, he quite arguably might be the best cornerback in the league. And then my third game ball, it's not a player, but it's the turnover battle. And in week one, we won the turnover battle. Week two, we won the turnover battle again. And like Jared had mentioned, that there are probably two or three other turnovers that we didn't get. One from Savage, probably. A couple from Jair. And the thing that just sticks out is this defense smothers. And the the bend-don't-break philosophy of capers during our playoff run in our Super Bowl championship, they use that term with this defense. I just see a totally different defense. I, I see a, a defense that wants to turn or wants to create turnovers. They want to punish offenses and I haven't seen that in quite some time. And so a game ball for me has to go to the turnover battle on how Mike Pettin can continue to scheme and continue to confuse offenses to the point where we're getting four turnovers in, in a single game. So for me, uh Jones, Jair and uh turnover battle, but you could definitely give it to LaFleur. Kevin King, Savage, and definitely Devontae Adams. Can't We can't be uh, all sunshine and rainbows and pixie sticks. Let's talk about a little bit of the concerns as we uh, move on. Uh, we face the Broncos next week. We'll talk about that in our pregame episode later in the week. But, Nebels, tell me your concerns a little bit about the Green Bay Packers. Even though we're 2-0, we're not playing our best football yet, we still don't really have an identity on offense. I think we can kind of get a, a, a clear picture. The defense, I think, is going to continue to improve, but tell me your concerns right off the bat. Yeah, definitely the offense is is a concern. We face Denver next week, who, again, is no slouch in the in the defensive department. How we ended up with these three you know, great defensive teams right off the bat is beyond me. So yeah, offense is definitely a concern. Uh, we did see during this game a little bit of juggling of the the guards. Jenkins in and out uh, for Taylor, you know, Taylor in at the end. So again, the offensive line play is a bit of concern for me. Another concern would be the usage of our tight ends. I thought that after the first game, you know, we kind of had found a rhythm with the tight ends, getting them involved. The tight ends in this game were in, they, they were in the game and they were in there for a total of 107 snaps. However, there was only one tight end that was targeted and zero catches. So we need to get those tight ends, you know, involved uh, in the game going forward. Um, as far as the defense is concerned, I'm, you know, I'm confident that they can hold their own. As Jared had mentioned, I think their performance on paper was a whole lot uglier than than it actually was. Right. If you look of the 421 yards that they had given up, literally half of them came off of four plays. So think about that. I mean, the 75 yard touchdown run by Cook. 
which you know was a a missed tackle by Savage, I believe that could yep. have been stopped. The sixty-one yard touchdown pass that could have been picked or knocked down by Jair. There's a forty-five yard pass and then another thirty-yard pass, and outside of that, literally four plays was half of their offensive gains for the for the entire game. So. My only concern right now, again, is can the offense move the ball after that that initial script has has run its course? You know, is Rodgers going to continue to hang on the ball for too long? What's going to happen with the offense? That's what I'm what I'm nervous about coming up next week. You had to mention holding on to the ball. I thought we'd get. I I, I think I thought we were going to get through this episode without that and, mention. But uh, and he yes. looks so much better about it in that in the in the first three you know yeah. the first three drives. Yeah. And like I said, it's once that uh, once that script was exhausted, it, they kind of almost were lost. Yeah. Well said. Uh, the soothing, sexy sounds of our communications and production director Nebels, Jared. Our marketing and content director, what are your concerns as we wrap up post-game two, Vikings 1.0 on tap? Well, my number one concern, um, this was, you know, dating back to even before the season started and it's, you know, showed its, reared its ugly head yesterday, the run defense. I think I've all, you know, I was confident with our secondary coming in since week one. I was confident going in yesterday, even going up against Diggs and Thielen, but the run defense scared me and especially seeing a running back like Dalvin Cook put on a show. He had 150 yards. Blake makes those tackles, but we don't have that run stuffing linebacker. And it also hurts to lose a guy like Raven Green, right. who had started out the season so well. He was looking like a, you know, a really good fill, especially for Oren Burks. When even when Burks comes back, you know, he's still not the greatest run defending linebacker. We got the guys on the line to plug it up, but once they get to that second level, it's kind of a toss up because, you know, you could have Blake get attack, make a tackle and save a bigger play. But if they break through that level, you could see plays like what happened with that 75 yard touchdown run and Savage take a bad angle. You know, I'm not, I'm actually a little bit more confident in the third level of the defense to make a tackle than the second because Amos can be more of a run stuffing safety. But yeah. That is my major concern on the defense, hands down. We did give up too many rushing yards, but as Nebo said, you know, it came off of half of his yards alone came off that one touchdown run. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, would it make you feel any better if if you take that 75-yard run out of there and realize that on his next 19 carries, he only managed 79 yards? I mean, would that would that make you feel any better? Yeah, to hear that. Yeah, to hear uh-huh. that it does sound a lot better. So, yeah, I mean, I, the concerns on the defense, they're pretty minimal, to be honest. That was just, if I had to have a concern there on the defense, that's going to be it. And, you know, the offense, it did sputter. It was kind of, as I said earlier, it was disappointing for the rest of the game. But it's not as much of a concern to me as it kind of sounds like it may be to you. The way you guys are kind of saying it, I guess. I think the fact that they played those first 20 plays so dominantly is going to lead into us playing a full game at that particular dominance. Um, mm-hmm. It is concerning for the present, I guess, for the next couple weeks. Uh, we obviously can't take that Denver defense lightly, but I think that it can turn into something really good. Wide receiver play, If that, I'm going to put my number one concern on offense on the wide receivers. Obviously, Devontae is going to do his thing. Really nothing to worry about there. He had his 106 yards yesterday and he cooked Xavier Rhodes all day like he always does. No matter what Xavier Rhodes does, he lights him up every time. 
But it was kind of concerning of Rodgers holding onto the ball too long like he has for the past year, even on some of the throws that he made. He made some great throws yesterday, but on some of the throws he made, there were, you know, the Marquez Valdez Scantling, it was a good pass breakup, but he had both hands on the ball and you, you got to make those catches. I believe it was in the third quarter there on a third down. But yeah, I, I think the wide receivers need to step up their level of play. They got to start getting open. I haven't been able to watch the all 22 or any of the game tape. Um, so I haven't been able to see if they were getting open and Rogers was just being hesitant, but it's kind of getting a little worrisome to me that maybe we do need to try and go out and find a true number two wide receiver that can take over and play opposite Devante. So, you know, corners, their best corner can't just shadow. Um, I think that'd be my number one concern. I'm glad that you mentioned that because actually I have that circled as my biggest concern is who who's going to be that second, what, like catch it, that playmaker that can catch the ball. I know that Aaron Jones was second behind Devonte Adams in receiving yards, but week in and week out, I don't want Aaron Jones to be our second best receiver. And so wide receiver too is definitely a big concern. Uh, Geronimo Allison did catch that early touchdown and Marcos Valdez-Scantling converted an early third down, but they were inconsistent. Uh, they combined for seven catches, 44 yards on 11 targets. And like Nebo's mentioned, the three tight ends, Graham, Lewis, and Tanyan, I mean, based off of week one, you thought we were going to get uh, a healthy dose of two tight end sets and uh, uh, maybe some production out of out of those tight ends. So I would say the biggest concern for me is who's going to make plays, who's going to create some sort of uh, a distraction outside of Devontae Adams. And speaking of Devonta Adams, I think the adjustments too. Um, I don't know what all entailed. I mean, this is the second game for for our head coach Matt Lafleur. But if if I'm if I'm Lafleur, I'm I'm going to Devonta Adams all game. You can't mm-hmm. stop him. You can't stop him. So I I, I wanted to mention it earlier, but uh, the adjustments. Some of the adjustments. I just kind of thought like, why? Like, why are you not just feeding the ball to Devonta Adams. They had no answer to him. So some of those common sense things, some of those maybe armchair quarterback takes that I have where I'm just watching the TV thinking to myself, I, I don't understand why they're just not giving Adams the ball. And and I, I would say the, the injury to Raven Green is probably my third biggest concern. Him headed to the IR. We were expecting some big things with Jair, or uh, Jair, uh, Raven Green, especially with Mike Pettin, us releasing Josh Jones and with the Orm Burks injury and us acquiring BJ Goodson. But he frustrated me yesterday and I know uh, he's new to the team, but it is concerning to see a guy out there and, and BJ Goodson where I felt like he got overwhelmed at times. And for me, I'd much rather have him as depth and no offense to BJ Goodson. And just it just seemed he was out of position way more often than not. So my biggest thing is how are you gonna how are you gonna replace Raven Green? When is Oren Burks gonna come back? And when he does come back, he is not going to be like you said, Jared, that 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 run stopper. He's more of that sideline to sideline guy. Um, I think he'll help in passing downs. So those are my biggest concerns, I would say. But all in all, the Packers are two and zero, beating the Bears, beating the Vikings, sitting atop of that NFC North right now. I believe, right? Yep. Yes, sir. I knew that. I just wanted to make sure it got a little too mm-hmm. quiet back there. But uh, as we wrap up the three, <laughs> as we wrap up post game two, Vikings 1.0. Any last words, Jared Nebels? Yeah. One thing that I did notice yesterday that Lafleur did that McCarthy was always preaching but was never quite able to accomplish 
And that was start fast and achieve balance on offense. If you go back and take a look at the Packers quick start yesterday, they had seven plays of 14 or more yards. Six of those came in the first quarter. Scoring 21 unanswered points, that's about as fast of a start that I can think of. As far as achieving offensive balance is concerned, they finished the day with 34 pass plays and 33 run plays. Nice. And I I definitely think that is a formula for success going forward. I would actually almost lean on pushing the run a little bit. But overall, it is very exciting to see them finally achieve that offensive balance they have been talking about for years. And then on a positive note, I love it. Jared, any last words before we wrap up this three-way? A couple things. Um, it was nice to have Brett Favre <laughs> in the house uh, for a win. Yeah. Uh, I was in the house yeah. there 2015 when we uh, took the loss on Thanksgiving. So it was good to have him and Cherry in to see a win on uh, Bart yeah. Stars Day. Um, Absolutely. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, another thing here. Uh, from Preston Smith in the locker room after the game, Maggie Lawler actually tweeted this out. One of the quotes from Preston was when we, it was Preston and Zedarius actually, obviously they do their interviews together. <laughs> but the quote was, when we play like us and we play to our level, we know we can play to, we're damn near unstoppable. And with the swagger that they've come in, Zedarius and Preston, and changed the culture single-handedly with this defense, it is incredible to see. Everybody said we overpaid for them. And I'm starting to think we underpaid for them because they are balling out. I love how what they're doing. I love the swagger they play with, what they bring to this team. Zadarius is obviously a captain already, and I think that's awesome. Um, I can't wait to see where the rest of this season goes. I hope we keep it up. Feels good to be 2-0, and and it feels good to be 2-0 in the division. Wrapping up, beautifully said, wrapping up the four, four quarters of pregame two, the Vikings 1.0, putting everybody on notice. The Packers, the unknown Packers, production team. I am your co-host, Bryce Christensen. I'm Nebels. And I'm Jared. And this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers Podcast. Make sure that you're tuning in to TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Play, Stitcher, and a variety of other podcast platforms. Don't forget to say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers Podcast. That's right. We're good friends with Alexa. Make sure you're checking out our website, theunknownpackers.com, as well as Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Reddit, The Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I'm Bryce Christensen, and this is The Unknown Packers Podcast.